Good afternoon, colleagues. Um, my name is Shireen Matala. I'm from the Econo Inclusive Economic Development Program at the, at the HSRC and delighted to welcome all of you to our workshop today. Um, apologies from our, our divisional executive, Prof. Charlene Swartz. Unfortunately, something else has come up that she's had to um, respond to, so she won't be with us, but you will. So I will be chairing and my colleagues um, in the team will be co uh, supporting us and facilitating. So my colleague, uh, Chris Chetty and myself uh, are the two leading facilitators of the workshop. And then we have two other facilitators, Andrea Juan and Thelma Ofelt, who will be also supporting us. So yeah, thank you very much there, Audrey. We've got RSVPs from over 160 um, participants, but we're not going to wait for all of them because I think many of you have made the effort to be on time. And so we'd like to get started. So why are we having this workshop? What, what brings us to this? So I think, I think last year we all pivoted towards working um, from home or working from anywhere by virtue of just the reality. We had no choice. We had no option but to do that. Um, the interesting thing is that we kept thinking about the life after COVID. Um, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? And as we've now moved into 2020 in South Africa, as well as in other parts of the world, um, 2021 looks very much like 2020. COVID still very much with us, seemingly might be here for much longer than we, we, would, we would like for it to be there. But there's another conversation that's happening, which is people have identified all kinds of um, benefits, challenges, experiences, and institutions are beginning to wonder whether there are different ways and different models of working. This is not something new actually. And so we know it, we've heard that in fact, many, many inst institutions and companies, I mean, be, people have already been working um, from anywhere, working from home. So this seminar was in a sense an opportunity for us within HSRC. And then we decided to say, well, why, why not open the conversation to a, to a number of other people who might be interested? Um, and basically to ask ourselves and to ask the questions we, we know about. I mean, you've seen those little memes and the cartoons about uh, people inappropriately dressed or people speaking out when they shouldn't or, um, or what has happened to the fact that you've had a, um, a relationship with your fridge more than anything else, etc. So the questions that, so this workshop is not about identifying what those problems are. I think that we, yes, we will highlight those. Yes, we will want to identify what those are, because unless we do that, we don't, we can't plan properly for what we do to mitigate um, or change or find new ways of working. What the workshop is hoping to do is just ask some, get, get ourselves having a conversation about some of the questions about how do, how do we find work-life balance? How do we um, promote and en enable productivity without um, literally sitting on top of somebody's keyboard? Um, while as we work from anywhere or everywhere. Another important question is, how do we promote collaboration? Um, the, the standing next to the water cooler, uh, meeting in the corridors, having formal physical meetings, all of those things are now almost things that we, we're not able to do any longer. Or if we are, we're doing them very, in a much, much more limited way. And so the question is, what, what ways are there for collaborating? And, and what are the tools and what are the mechanisms um, and technologies that we need to enable us to do those? Um, 
there are big questions about who can work remotely. Is it about who or is it about what jobs or what activities lend themselves to working? Um, so can we say so-and-so has to work remotely um, as opposed to rather a comment, rather this kind of work requires much more uh, uh, remote, enables more remote working than others. And another question would be about issues around how do you ensure that your institutional culture and values uh, are embraced, um, that new colleagues are onboarded um, with the institutional culture, et cetera, when, when we're not physically together, when you have new workers coming in who don't know, who don't understand the institutional culture. So those are some of the questions that we're hoping to um, explore today. So what we've done is we've, we've um, as part of our research, we began to look at who was saying what and where were they saying it and, and what were they saying about it? And, and through that, we identified a range of stakeholders that we um, invited as, as co-presenters with us today to tell us a little bit of, from their perspective. And one of those is um, our guest, um, um, that, that, and, and I'm delighted that we, we are able to have um, him work, be with us today, given that he's had to wake up very early to be his based in the US. And this is Professor Raj Chowdhury. Professor Raj, I will introduce him when we get to that session. And then we've got an esteemed panel of other presenters as well, uh, from within HSRC as well as an external, external to HSRC. The program has been shared, it's on the platform. We've, it's very tight in terms of timelines, etc. cetera. Um, I'm gonna encourage you to, we haven't created, you might be wondering, we haven't created a lot of space for question and answers in plenary, that was very deliberate. We want you to actually um, spend as much time as possible in the breakaway sessions, because otherwise only a few people will get a chance to speak. What we do want to do is invite you as the sessions are going on, post your questions, post your comments in, in, in the chat, introduce yourselves, raise the issues as you, as you are hearing the presentations. Just to assure you that we will be uploading all the presentations for you, so you, know, you will get access to them, because I have had already some, some requests for that. So, with that, I'd like to then, um, with that very brief introduction, I'd like to then just get us started and, and go to our first presenter, and that's Professor Chowdhury. And Professor Chowdhury, we came across him and we came across an article that he'd written in the Harvard, Harvard uh, Business Review, um, in which he spoke about working for everywhere and working from anywhere. And that's a new concept for some of us, and I think one that we're hoping that he will be able to unpack. What does it mean and how different is it from working from home? Prof Chowdhury is, is a, lum, a Lumri associate at Harvard uh, University Business School. Um, he's had extensive um, experience uh, working in this, in this field and has done extensive research on working from, from anywhere. And I would not want to say too much more about the research that he's done, except that the he, his focus has been around the geography of work, the future of work. Prof Chaudhary, thank you very much for joining us today, uh, making that special effort to be up early enough to join this workshop. Um, Prof Chaudhary is not going to be able to keep stay with us for the whole duration, but, but he will be here for some time and be able to answer uh, some of the questions that you might post. So over to you, Prof Chaudhary, and you'll be able to um, upload your presentation, share your screen as well. Thank you. Thank you, Shireen. Uh Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, can you hear me well? Uh, if someone can just point, uh, give me a pointer. Yes, good. Uh, so I'll share my screen and share some slides and talk for maybe 10 or 12 minutes, and then we can uh, engage in some Q&A.
Uh, are my slides visible, Shireen? Yes, they are. Thank you so much. So thank you again, everyone. Uh, so I'm going to briefly share some, uh, some thoughts and insights on this new phenomena, which I call work from anywhere. And I'm a professor at the Harvard Business School. My name is Raj Chaudhary. So there are broadly three questions I'm going to touch upon and not really go into a lot of depth uh, because we have limited time. So the first one is I will try to conceptually define what work from anywhere is and why is it a good thing for you and your organization. Then I'll talk a little bit about how to work from anywhere. So what are the necessary conditions for working from anywhere? And then I'll briefly allude to, in my opinion, what are the opportunities for South Africa by adopting this work practice? So these insights are coming from my research over years, many, many years, much before the pandemic, uh, with both very large organizations, such as the United States Patent Office, which is a government organization with thousands of workers that was initially headquartered in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, and then also very large organizations around the world, such as the Tata Consulting Services, but also very small, relatively small startups, which are completely remote. They don't have any office, no physical offices, such as GitLab, uh, Zapier, Doist, and Mob Squad. So I've looked at companies and organizations that are at the two ends of the spectrum, very large and absolutely remote with no offices, but relatively small. So what is work from anywhere? As Shireen said, we have all experienced working from home, which is you work remotely two or three days a week. And then you typically, not during the pandemic, but before pandemic, the work from home model was you work from home two or three days a week. And then you go to a physical office for the remaining part of the week, which means you'll have to probably still live in the same town or same city where the company has an office. In work from anywhere, you can relocate to a completely different town or different part of the country. So this is the map which, which shows where the United States patent examiners moved. The office was in Alexandria, Virginia, but they moved all over the US to Florida, to California, to every part of the US you can pick. And you don't have to come to a physical office every week. And that's the reason you can do this. So I really call work from anywhere, live anywhere. Live in the city or the town or the village or the country that you want to live, not where the company uh, wants you to live. And this is what I call geographic flexibility, giving flexibility of where to live to the employees. Why do I think this is a good thing for not only workers? For workers, it's of course a good thing. You can imagine doing your favorite job from your favorite geography or favorite town. You could move closer to your parents. You could avoid dual career situations. You could move to a cheaper town. You could move to a good weather location. You could move to a place where you enjoy the food. You can think of so many reasons for why you want to change where you want to live. 
But why is it a good thing for your organization? That's the critical question. And there are four main reasons. One, you can now, the organization can attract talent from anywhere. They don't need to open an office or get someone a visa to come to South Africa and work for them. They can hire globally. And they can also retain talent much better. So my studies have shown that attrition goes down when organizations offer work from anywhere. Because people, employees are more loyal. They really enjoy that flexibility. So attracting talent, retaining talent. That is the biggest reason why I urge organizations to think about embracing work from anywhere. In my studies with the US Patent Office, I found productivity went up. And this is not during the pandemic. This is during 2012 to 2015, because the US Patent Office gave this benefit in 2012. And I measured this through an experiment, which I will not go into the details, and productivity went up by 4.4%. And it was very measurable because it's the number of case files that the patent examiner was examining every week. Third reason, it's a great thing for inclusion, especially around gender, around disabilities, because for many, many decades, the research has shown that women have borne the brunt of dual careers. They have often not moved to a better job or they have not taken a promotion because they have to move because the spouse cannot move. But now you don't have to move. You can stay in the same location and get that promotion, get that next job, get that better opportunity. Similarly, if you're disabled and you cannot move to a large city, you don't have to move to a large city. Similar for, for ethnicity, you can think about how this can make ethnic inclusion much better. And the final thing, not insignificant, is that the organization does not need so much real estate. You don't need those office buildings because not everyone is coming to work every day anymore. So these are the four reasons, talent, productivity, inclusion, and real estate savings. And it's not only real estate, it's utilities as well. And these, these savings can run into millions of dollars uh, depending on how large the organization is. So I'll quickly now talk about what entails, what are the processes in the organization that need to support work from anywhere? Because it's a very different kind of working. And this is really an organizational change program. The organization has to change how it works. And it can be done for very large organizations. So the model I, I'll talk about is my research with the Tata Consulting Service, TCS. This is an organization, as many of you know, which is very large, has 500,000 employees, and they have moved to what they call a 75% remote model. So every employee is working remotely for 75% time, and then 25% of the time they have to come to the office. 75% remote, 25% in office. And that includes everyone, starting from the CEO to the person who joined yesterday. Why is this a good model? 
Because number one, there is uniformity. There is uniformity. Everyone is following the same 75-25 formula. Because if you don't have uniformity and you let some people come more to office and some people are more remote, then the danger is you will get two types of workers, office workers and remote workers. And they will not share information with each other. They will not socialize with each other. You will get two classes of, rem of employees, remote and office. And that will not happen in the 75% remote model because it's uniform. Prof Chowdhury, Raj, we're not able to hear you. You're muted. Ah, there you go. Shireen, uh, is it better? Can you see me now? Yes, we can. Great. Okay, and you can see my slides also, right? Sorry for the... Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you can see my slides as well, right? Yes, the one that just says uh, TCS from physical offices uh, to Google as well. Yes, yeah, so yep. I'm talking about the TCS model. Apologies for that. And why I like it, because it's uniform. And then the 25% time when people are coming to the office, the entire team is coming to the office. So 25% could mean one day a week for some teams. And some other teams, it could mean one week a month. And for some other teams, it could mean a few weeks together during the year, and then the rest of the year, everyone works from anywhere. So it's also flexible for different teams. Each team can decide what is its rhythm. Very briefly, there are 10 organizational processes that I talk about in my article in the Harvard Business Review. I'll briefly mention three. One is we are all experiencing Zoom fatigue or Microsoft Teams fatigue or Google Hangout fatigue, whatever your, your video calling tool is. And also we don't have great internet in many parts of the world. We don't have Wi-Fi. So a solution to the problem of constantly having calls is to do asynchronous communication. And you can do asynchronous communication on Slack, on Doist, there are many good tools out there. And I really like asynchronous communication for a different reason. Because when we are having calls and brainstorming or we are talking to each other and we're trying to find out uh, how to resolve some conflict in the team, we are all thinking in that moment. We are not doing deep thinking. But if we are responding on Slack, then you ask me a question, I can go for a walk and think about what you said. And my response will probably be much more thoughtful. And we're not expecting everyone to be on a call at the same time, which removes the problem of time zones and internet connectivity, because you need much more bandwidth for a video call than to work on a Slack channel. The second solution that I talk about in the, in the work from anywhere kind of working is to document everything because we do not have the ability to ask each other in person 
or tap a shoulder and ask, hey, Shireen, how do I file an expense report in this organization? You can write down all of these how-to knowledge in an organizational codebook. And that is what GitLab does. They have an organizational codebook, which is 5,000 pages, and it's transparent, easy to search, and everyone can look up any information. The third thing is virtual water coolers. So yes, in the office, we have serendipitous conversations in the cafeteria or the water cooler, but we only have these conversations with people who are on the same floor, the same floor of our office building, which is a constraint because if someone is sitting in a different floor or a different building, we never have those conversations. We rarely see those people probably in the parking lot. But in the remote world, in the virtual world, you can meet anyone. So virtual water coolers are sessions that are planned. These are organized where you bring together a random group of people cutting across product divisions, cutting across sales and R&D and finance, cutting across hierarchy. So it's very senior managers, join middle managers and junior employees and cutting across geography. And these are scheduled on people's calendars. So the best practice in the, in the work from anywhere world is that social interactions such as virtual water coolers can happen on camera and work, work related communication can happen on asynchronous channels such as Slack or Doist. The final thing I'll say is that it's critical for senior managers to embrace remote work. Because if senior managers are coming to an office, then the middle managers will also come to an office to get FaceTime and the whole model will break. And that is why I like the TCS model because it's 75% remote for everyone. The senior manager, the middle manager, the junior manager. And these insights are all described in my Harvard Business Review article, which is the work from anywhere future. I'll take the last two minutes, if that's okay, to imagine what work from anywhere can do for South Africa and South African organizations. The first question that is being asked now because of work from anywhere is do we need large clusters, hubs like Silicon Valley? It's great for organizations, but it's terrible for people. The cost of living in Silicon Valley is very, very high. And even people on a good salary can only afford a two bedroom flat, which is barely sort of good for a family of four. And people are moving out. They're moving to Austin. They're moving to Canada. They're moving to different parts of the US. Why not South Africa? And so that is the opportunity that you can offer to talent in Silicon Valley, in Bangalore, anywhere in the world, come and live in South Africa now and work for Facebook, work for Google. You don't have to change your employer, but you can come to South Africa and you can pay your taxes in South Africa. And that is what Canada is doing. So Canada has started attracting a lot of talent from Silicon Valley to move to Vancouver and other parts of Canada and they're still working for American companies, but they're living in Canada, they're paying taxes in Canada. 
And I imagine the same phenomena can happen with South Africa. In fact, there are small towns in America, such as Tulsa, very small town, less than a million people, which has started attracting remote workers. And they have been able to make the community more diverse because of this. So one challenge in small towns is that there is no physical infrastructure that can compete with Silicon Valley. So internet connectivity is a problem. So what Tulsa has done has built its own co-working space. It's called uh, 36 degrees north. So people come to this co-working space. They don't work from home. They've relocated to Tulsa because it's cheaper, but they work from a co-working space and they're still working for Google or Facebook. So that's the model which I think which can work in South Africa. You can build these co-working spaces with good internet connectivity all over the country and then attract talent from Johannesburg to move there, but also talent from outside South Africa to move there. Cape Town is a great example. It's a wonderful place to live. Many people would want to live there. So one specific thought I have is, can you, South Africa, like India, which the country I come from, and many other countries has faced brain drain. Talent has left our countries for many decades. Can we attract some of that talent back remotely? So they could come partly during the year and the rest of the year, they could remotely, they could, they could mentor the local teams, something to think about. And if anyone is interested to work on this idea, please shoot me an email or a message. I would love to connect. How can we start a remote return migration program at CSIR South Africa, at some other organization in South Africa? I would be very curious. The other thing which I've observed in my research in Bangladesh is that remote work forces employees to use digital tools such as uh, Google Docs for the first time. So that is what happened in Bangladesh. People were using printouts for decades and decades and decades. And now for the first time, I worked with this NGO called BRAC and the BRAC field employees had to move to electronic payments and using Google documentation. So for the first time, remote work forced the workforce to go digital, which is a great thing. And the final thing I saw in the press, which made me really happy, was that Cape Town has been named one of the world's best cities for remote work. So I'll end with this optimistic note, Shireen, that maybe South African can, can like Canada, draw a lot of talent from all over the world, young people, but also senior entrepreneurs to come and live in South Africa and create new companies, create new opportunities. But you can also get your own talent back. The people who have left South Africa for the West, you can get some of them back and the others, you can get them back remotely. So with that optimism, I'll end my talk and then uh, we can have a few questions. Thank you very much, uh, Raj. I think that's, um, you've given us a fair amount of food for thought. I think there's some interesting challenges that you've put out for us and perhaps some collaboration even to co-write some, some more work about working from anywhere. Um, definitely, would like, I'm sure there'll be people who would like to take that up. 
I'm going to, in, there are questions in the chat already. I'm going to propose that we not take the questions now. I'd like Krish to do a, um, a short response. And then, um, uh, uh, Prof, before you go, perhaps you might want to just quickly respond to some of the questions that people were posting in the chat. Okay, great. So with that, I'm going to move on to our, our next item on the agenda. Krish Chetty, for those of you that have been in HSRC, doesn't need too much of an introduction, but for those who have not, he is a researcher, um, a chief researcher in the same unit that I belong to. Krish has had extensive experience um, with the BRICS um, unit um, that, that HSRC hosted for some years, and he's had extensive global experience, and his area of interest is uh, information technology, digital working, etc. So Krish, over to you. Thank you, Shireen. Um, good afternoon, everyone, and uh, good morning to Prof Chaudhary. Um, so my name is Chris Chetty. I'm working in the HSRC's Inclusive Economic uh, Development Unit. Uh, and I'd like to specifically talk about South Africa's experience in, in relation to some of the, the, the points that Prof Chaudhary has raised. Um, um, so anybody who's commuted on our roads prior to the pandemic uh, we'll be very familiar with the effects that lockdown has had on traffic. Uh, so TomTom Tom released an interesting report recently about uh, traffic trends in our cities. And in Cape Town, for example, where I, where I live, it was found that in April, when our lockdown rules were at its most strict, uh, the average congestion level across our roads was 4% uh, compared to the peak, which was 39% back in Feb uh, 2020. So since then, our lockdown passing through different phases and remote work becoming a more common experience, we still haven't seen traffic hit those peak levels again. And uh, the calculation which TomTom Tom did uh, is on average, Cape Townians have saved uh, two days and three hours across the year. So perhaps this highlights some of the, the quality of life uh, benefits that perhaps could be achieved through uh, working from home. However, the reduced traffic levels might give us a skewed sense of who is affected by the forced need to work from home. Uh, some of the current, current literature shows us that the jobs uh, most likely to take on remote work would generally be paid white collar jobs based in cities. Um, so, so these two graphs try to put these findings into perspective using some of our data from 2020's labor force survey. Uh, both graphs present the quantity of people employed by a grouping of occupations. The graph on the left is using that traffic uh, light color system, which shows which jobs are more likely to be unable to adopt remote working protocols. These would be your elementary occupations, which might be your, your hairdressers, your housekeepers, uh, travel guides, and so on. But it also includes your plant workers and your domestic workers. But some of our service workers, our craft workers, our clerks, perhaps they may be able to work online. While most likely this, those that do work online would be our legislators and our professionals who are better enabled for remote work. At the same time, we also need to realize that this picture only accounts for those who are employed and it excludes the unemployed and those discouraged work seekers. So if we look at those same occupations through the graph on the right, it breaks it down by occupations by the person's highest level of education. And we can see most of our workforce, regardless of what occupation grouping they fall into, they have some schooling or perhaps have just completed matric. It's only our professionals and a few other occupations 
where there are higher, quali uh, higher qualifications which are more predominantly involved in, in those spaces. Thus, we can expect to be very difficult for these workers to perform their jobs online or transition online in the short term. We'll need to focus on some sort of digital skills development so we can better prepare the workforce for such a transition to online. Among the formal sector specifically, uh, Worldwide Works in partnership with Cisco Systems uh, surveyed approximately 400 organizations in South Africa and asked about their experiences with the shift to, to working remotely. So uh, Arthur Goldstruck, who's their CEO, is quoted as saying, digital transformation emerged as the key differentiator in remote working productivity and collaboration. And I think his comment is informed by this graph that we see. Here, 95% of the organizations that they surveyed uh, said that digital transformation is very important to enable remote work. However, despite having that realization among so many of these organizations, only 37% of our companies had actually rolled out a digital transformation strategy to enable the functioning of all their processes. Before COVID, uh, we, we found that 57% of our companies had given laptops to at least a quarter of the percentage of their staff, while 25% of companies had provided laptops to half of their staff. So what we're seeing is that uh, only a small portion of the workforce had been ready or had been enabled uh, with the right equipment to work remotely. At best, some of them would have had to go out and cut their desktops back home. Another key finding was that despite the benefits of flexibility, no company thought that the shift in working environment actually reduced your stress. Um, actually, if the worker experienced connectivity challenges, the, their comment was that the stress actually increased. Um, so that's it. Among those companies that had rolled out a fully fledged digital transformation strategy, these companies were the ones that reported an actual productivity gain of 70%. Uh, so if your digital transformation strategy is in place and you are supported with the right infrastructure, there are opportunities for clear gains uh, and perhaps increases in productivity. This, thus this tells us that digital infrastructure and a plan to use it is very critical uh, for South African businesses. However, it's very important for us to place these statements into some sort of context. Nationally, we know that 65% of our households in this country don't have any access to the internet uh, using Statsa SA statistics. And if you look at the reasons for not having access, there, there's three main ones which come up. It's the cost of the infrastructure, it's not having the skills or not recognizing value in using such a service. So for us to really uh, fully transform, digitally transform uh, society, there's really a huge task for us ahead to go and capacitate the, the, the offline community who are our majority share of the population. However, if we go back and look at the, the formal sector again, in addition to the infrastructure provision, there's a need for businesses to recognize that there's a broad suite of factors uh, which may lead to successful implementation of a working from anywhere policy. And if you look at what Worldwide Works is saying, these factors include ensuring that your tasks are delegated properly online, uh, providing support services that can be accessed remotely, or providing those with uh, children in particular the time to take care of them. It's also important that the staff have access to a non-distracting environment and are able to manage their time appropriately. 
what I found surprisingly was um, the provision of flexible hours to staff actually didn't seem to be recognized by the managers as very important as compared to these other factors. Within the HSRC, we've had a few internal surveys among our staff which have been run asking what was uh, life like in the past year? And what we found the majority of the, those working from home seem to be faring well, uh, but we have noted increased stress levels and we are recognizing that working remotely can be tougher perhaps than we expected. Um, so despite our increased stress levels across the institution, almost 65% of our staff stated that their productivity has increased while working from home. Within my particular division, looking at our Cape Town and Durban staff uh, collectively, we found that our home environment was largely suitable, uh, but many didn't have a dedicated room for their work or they, some did have a desk. Um, many at the same time noted that they usually work wherever they could, uh, be it in a bed or on the kitchen table. Um, so we're seeing our home environments aren't ideal, but our staff are trying to find a way to, to remain productive using the spaces that they do have access to. So looking forward in the post-COVID world, uh, Worldwide Works has uh, asked a few questions here and they reported that 61% of South African firms may choose not to offer remote working to their employees post-COVID, while 45% believe that their workers would not be able to work from home in future. So this might be a surprising statistic uh, given that the increases in productivity that have been reported. But if you look at these figures in context of our challenging infrastructure access, or that most of our jobs in the country are less reliant or are less in that white collar space, uh, the long-term adoption of these uh, working from home or working from uh, anywhere protocol seems to only apply to those firms perhaps that are more technology dependent or perhaps are in a position to implement a fully fledged digital transformation strategy. And so for me to conclude, um, what we're seeing is that digital transformation is essential uh, for successful implementation of the strategy, but for it to work equally across society, we must think about how technology can be accessed, particularly by our small and informal businesses. While the uh, focus has been on infrastructure, it's also important to concentrate on achieving a work-life balance. Uh, considering the workers' well-being and personal responsibilities when they work from home. But if that balance is to be achieved um, with the appropriate digitalization support, the company's productivity levels are likely to increase. So it's uh, important that we mustn't lose sight of the implications of implementing a fully-fledged working-from-anywhere policy, as we must consider those blue-collar jobs that perhaps are at risk during this transition. And so for me, a key question that we must ask and try to address in this country is how do we implement an appropriate job transitioning strategy to move such workers into a less vulnerable space? Thank you, Shireen. Thank you, Krish. And thank you for sharing some of the statistics um, from surveys done here. I think very enlightening. Um, so, um, I think we're going to, before we move on to the next, uh, the panel session, I think this is a chance for uh, Prof Chaudhary to perhaps just respond to a number of the questions that people are asking in, in the chat. Um, and we'll take some of those into questions that we'll ask in the breakaways as well. So over to you. 
Yes. Uh, so thank you, Krish. That was great. So I just have a few reflections on a few things that Krish said. So I, first of all, totally agree with, um, uh, you know, all the insights that uh, were mentioned. Uh, so just to add to them, I think the first thing about the blue collar, white collar uh, divide and how work from anywhere might affect uh, the blue collar worker. One of the things that I've, I'm finding in my research is that once people move from these very large cities to the smaller towns, it also creates opportunities for smaller towns to improve their services around everything like healthcare, education. And so what will happen if this trend persists is that many blue collar workers who are forced to leave the small towns and go and live in the large cities in perhaps not very ideal conditions would not have to leave the small towns now because they'll find the same employment. Maybe uh, they'll have a better cost of living because this large city doesn't offer really good uh, cost of living for the blue collar worker in their own hometowns. So this whole trend of, of migration will change also for the blue collar worker. The second thing about the internet connectivity, I cannot agree more. And that's why I know someone mentioned in the chat that South Africa also has many good co-working spaces, but there is a lot of room for innovation to build rural co-working spaces. Uh, what I'm seeing is startups thinking about all kinds of ideas. So I'll give you a couple. There is a startup called Coda, which in the US is trying to find a model like Airbnb, but for offices. So if you live in a neighborhood and you do not have a desk, but your neighbor has a vacant desk, you can go and rent that vacant desk for the day. So there's an Airbnb kind of model for office space in the neighborhood that Coda is working on. There's a startup in India, which is working on the idea of noise canceling curtains. So I think it's only our imagination that is preventing us to think about uh, the creativity can be unleashed by young entrepreneurs to find solutions to help people work from, from anywhere and work from home. And then the final reflection, I, I, someone said, what about the research uh, lab context? So yes, I have looked at the research lab context. And one of the things, surprising things that I found in the US pharmaceutical sector is once you embrace work from anywhere, you are now getting ideas from anywhere. So they, in the, in the pharmaceutical space in the US, when they, they looked at herbal uh, formulations, herbs, medicinal herbs, they found that by incorporating talent from India and China, they were able to get many more ideas of medicinal herbs. And then because the teams were now diverse, because there were some Americans and some Indians and Chinese, they were able to perform what I call innovation recombination. So take one idea from one geography, a different idea from a different geography and put them or recombine them in a way that is completely new to the world. So take turmeric, but add something to turmeric. And I feel if you, if you diversify your talent, you're going to innovate more in an R&D context. So yes, I think that could be the, the, the positive benefit for R&D teams. So I'll stop there, Shireen, unless there are other uh, specific questions you want me to talk about. Okay, I think the one question is about, um, in a sense, the client. So often our services are delivered to a particular group. And the question was, what about the fact that the client is not ready for 
uh, and how do you change mindsets? Perhaps is that is that that's the question. Yes, no, that's a very practical, uh, uh, you know, uh, constraint. And if the client wants you to show up five days a week, then you, of course, have no choice. But then slowly, I think, uh, to Krish's point, if you can show the client the benefits of digital transformation, the benefits of work from anywhere, the benefits of doing asynchronous communication, then maybe the, the minds will change. But the, the other thing I'll say, Shireen, the, the graph that Krish sh uh, showed about 60% companies uh, not embracing this, but 40% embracing this. My prediction is the companies that embrace work from anywhere are going to be the companies that are going to become talent magnets. Because if you are, uh, if your company is not offering you work from anywhere, but you want to live in Cape Town or you've already moved to Cape Town, you will not move back to your company just because they are not offering you the flexibility after COVID, you will find a different employer. You will find a different employer that offers you that flexibility. So that 40% group of companies might win the talent war. Uh, and that is, I think, uh, going to happen across industries, across countries. Just one last question somebody has just posted. And, and, and I think it resonates with the point you made earlier. You said, interestingly, that you think equity objectives, people with disabilities, women, et cetera, would be serviced. And the question here is in a sense, um, how, wh what strategy will be, uh, will support a single mother who's having to work? The idea that mothers have had to now multitask at home um, and the challenges of that, could you speak to that and, and how that could be addressed? Yes, so I think in our minds, we should all differentiate remote working during COVID and remote working either before or after COVID. So when I was doing my research in 2015 or 16, uh, you know, you could send the kids to school, you could send the kids to daycare and actually working from anywhere made it more affordable for single mothers because I'll give you one specific example. So there was a woman uh, who was working in Alexandria, Virginia and given it's a very expensive town, she couldn't afford a full-time daycare but she moved to a smaller town. First of all, part of her family was there. So her grandmom and her mom could take care of the kid uh, during some days, but then now she could afford a full-time daycare. So I think uh, once we have a vaccine and once we are back to a new uh, post-COVID normal, I expect working mothers to benefit tremendously from working from anywhere because you can move to where you have support from your family or you could afford full-time childcare options much better. Shazri, we could talk with you for the next few hours, but you don't have the time and we need to move on as well. Just want to say a huge, huge thank you to you. We're going to be sharing your paper links and I think your contact details are there and if other people want to be in touch with you, I think definitely we would like to, but thank you once again. Thank you, Shireen. And thank you everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right, let's move on to the next item on the agenda. So this is our panel presentation. So what we have done is we've invited um, a set of panelists um, who would speak to different areas of work. Um, so information technology, the legal occupational health and safety issues, contracts. Um, uh, we've got our part, the psychosocial perspectives. Um, what does it mean? Um, issues around isolation, 
um, connective, connectiveness, et cetera. And finally, um, and not finally, sorry. And then we invited a partner um, institution the, from the CSIR um, to, as, 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 and the Science Council to come and speak to us and share with us what they are doing around that. So what I'm gonna do now is just invite the panelists um, to speak. They've been given very, very strict instructions, unfortunately, um, that we would like to speak them for them to speak for long, but we can't. Um, so for 10 minutes, we've invited each of them to speak to broadly, what is it that, uh, what are the key issues and what should be, how should we be looking forward? What are the lessons for moving forward? What are the innovations that they've come across? Um, what are the questions that we should be asking ourselves as institutions wanting to pivot towards um, a different way of working, a different model of working? So with that, I'm now going to introduce our first uh, presenter, um, Andile Mabindisa um, is a group executive um, at the CSIR um, for Human Capital and Communications. Andile um, has um, been extensively involved in HR, uh, both at the, at, at the CSIR as well as in other spaces for over 20 years in talent management, employee relationships, learning and development. And he has, um, he holds a certificate in leadership from the Institute of Management Development in, in Switzerland. So Andile, over to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Shirin, um, and uh, good, good afternoon uh, to the colleagues. So what I'm going to share with you, right, is the journey um, that the CSIR has taken um, in terms of uh, introducing the, the working from home, right? I just want to underline that the working from home because uh, we felt that um, we're not yet ready right, from work, for working from anywhere. Right? Um, so for us, this is what we're implementing now. It's more the medium term strategy. The working from anywhere would be the long term uh, strategy, obviously for, 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 for various reasons that we cannot go through right, uh, in this uh, presentation. So just currently, um, so in view of the COVID, um, so 29% of our staff right, are accessing uh, the, uh, the CSIR uh, site. So what that means is that, uh, so we have uh, close to about 70% right, uh, that are working from home. And as, a, as the uh, CSIR executive, right, we had to make a decision right, um, where we said um, going forward, right, um, we then have to put a proper framework um, where we adopt right, uh, the, the working from home. So, and therefore um, the CSIR right, uh, made a deliberate uh, decision. Right? So that's the leadership. Uh, so that's the first thing right, uh, where the leaders Right, uh, as uh, Prof Raj uh, said, that uh, that decision where there's a deliberate decision that, uh, that is made right, uh, in terms of uh, the hybrid uh, model right, uh, going forward um, to ensure that uh, the staff employees, they remain engaged, there's productivity levels, right, uh, and also the business objectives right, are met. So those are the non-negotiables um, right, uh, in terms of um, uh, going forward. Right, and then ensure that um, in terms of uh, what we implement, what we implement, right, um, it talks to the employee experience, the offering in terms of the employee value proposition, and as well as the leadership experience, right? Because this is a totally different um, approach, right? Uh, and also the change, right, uh, in terms of the, 
the, the, the, the mindset, right? And therefore, as the CSIR, we then uh, decided to develop right, uh, a framework right, that will then allow right, for the shift, right? Um, that will ensure that it supports the business, the client's objective, right? And as well as the, 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 the employee experience, right? Uh, that remain uh, engaged. So, and therefore, as a CSIR, we made a deliberate decision, so hybrid approach, right? Um, and the following questions uh, that we need to uh, ensure that are uh, maintained. One, how do we ensure that the, the, the employees are engaged, right? Um, that we use the right technology, we collaborate uh, virtually, right? Uh, the employees, they feel connected, right, uh, to the organization. And then finally, so in terms of the policies, right, and that would then help, right, uh, in terms of uh, forming, right, uh, the blueprint, right, uh, for the organization. And the, the, the framework that we then used, um, so in guiding us uh, in the development, right, uh, of the, the, the future, right, um, was uh, around the three uh, key uh, strategic pillars. So that of people, process, and systems. Right, um, and the, the, the non-negotiables, right, in those, right, is ensuring that there is uh, the customer satisfaction, the business continuity, right, and as well as the, the, the agile uh, workforce. So these will then help us, right, uh, in terms of enhancing, right, uh, leadership in the business, uh, supporting uh, staff, right, in terms of uh, employee uh, upskilling, Right, ensuring that we establish right uh, a culture right uh, of trust, uh, providing the infrastructure, right, etc. So I'm not going to go uh, into the details, right, uh, due to the time constraints. And then what we then said is, what does uh, success uh, look like? So one is uh, looking at that um, we operate uh, the business, right, looking at the integration, right, the operational quality and efficiency and as well as um, the, the flexibility. Secondly, right, uh, driving the experience, right, and the engagement, right? So here looking at, uh, focusing at, at, on our culture and the adoption, listening and acting, right, um, on the feedback, right, uh, that we get, right, for, from employees and then engaging. So if, um, I'm gonna share with you later, right, where we um, ran an, an envisioning workshop where we engage staff Right, um, looking at uh, at the future, right, and then the third one is um, managing right the technology, right, in terms of the applicable uh, portfolios. How do we ensure that it's scalable, right, uh, and that in enables right the workforce um, uh, 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 working remotely, right, and also what is key, right, is the security aspect to that. So let's get to the the engagement. How we did that. So we've had a number of, um, of engagements right, uh, within the organization and here driving it through the change management uh, program, right, uh, where we've, we have uh, change uh, agents, right, um, um, who are helping, right, in terms of um, uh, inputs, right, from, from the business, right, so that, that's, that's key. And as well as looking at the survey, both internal and then, and, and then externally, and then we, we ran an, an envisioning workshop where we're looking at the CSR of the, of the future, that is uh, post-COVID uh, normal. And the, the other one that uh, was key, right, is the empowerment, right, of, uh, of line managers, right? And that's, um, we've been running a series, right, uh, of workshops, right, for, for line managers, 
right, in view of the, the new normal. So where we're looking at um, how do we ensure that there's leadership alignment, right? Uh, how do we ensure that uh, performance management and consequence management uh, continues right during this time and beyond? And also preparing uh, leaders, right, uh, for digital work workforce. So running on, uh, um, all those uh, sessions. And um, all this, right, um, it's driven by change management, as I said, and as well as the CSR uh, epic values. That is the excellence, people-centered integrity, right, and as well as collaboration. So all this, um, as you can see, right, uh, in, this, um, in this pyramid, so it's um, the underlying, um, driving all this is the, the, the values, right, uh, and culture. And then we then ensure that we, we train people Right, on the change management uh, model, right? There's the outcome model that we, and then building the capacity, right, uh, internally, as I've shared what we, um, and then how do we, during this COVID time, enable line managers, right, um, and leadership, right, uh, to manage and lead, right, uh, through these uh, difficult times. And whilst we're doing all this, looking forward, right, in terms of the new ways, right, uh, of working. So what we did as part of the envisioning uh, workshops, right, where we engaged, right, leaders, change agents, uh, et cetera, we came out with uh, four uh, personas, right, um, um, in terms of uh, looking at the CSR employees. So looking from the individual uh, worker, right, so that is uh, those who are mobile. So um, in terms of working from home, um, and we've identified the roles. Right, and also the target uh, that they, I mean, um, that this uh, time that they spend right, uh, in, in, in the office. So there it's the, the mobile worker. And then we have the a resident, right, um, who spends more time at home. So between nine, nine, 90 to 100%. And then a collaborator, right, uh, so spending time between 30 to 60%. And then the connector, right, between 30 to 60%. So, and uh, what we then did um, was then as part of the envisioning workshop and go, went into the details. I'm not gonna go in um, and, and I'm just sharing with you, right, uh, where we looked at the goals of what a mobile uh, worker will be. And here we've got uh, Judy, what are her needs, right? And also what are her uh, pain points, right? And then we have a resident, uh, here we, we have uh, Grace. Again, we did the same. A collaborator, uh, John, right, and then uh, a connector, Busi, and then from there uh, we then um, then defined right uh, the, the challenges, right, and opportunities for all these, right. Um, that will then um, from here we then develop right the guiding principles and as well as the standard, the standards uh, that we then uh, use right within the organization, right. Um, so in terms of our working from home. So um, as I said, I'm not gonna go into the details right, of that. And then we then came up with the, the design uh, principles right, through this engagement. So these are the four design principles right, uh, that we've developed right, uh, within the, the, the CSIR. Right? Um, and that's where we are right, uh, in this journey. So the next uh, steps right, uh, will be um, what, we've, what we've done right, uh, is we have now um, identified the work stream custodians, right? Um, who will then, uh, for instance, a work stream custodian for people um, 
for, for ICT, um, for SHEC, for real estate, uh, et cetera, right? Uh, we'll then develop, right, the, the standards for each, right, uh, of these uh, work streams, right, um, involving, right, uh, the change agents, et cetera. And at the end, we'll then uh, end up with the, um, with the guidelines, right, um, and as well as the policy, right, that we then uh, take to the board, right, for, 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 for sign off. So that's where we are. Um, and in terms of our timelines, so the workshops, um, in terms of the development of the standards are happening this month. And we then say um, in April, right, we need to get uh, that those guidelines and as well as the, uh, as the policy uh, side of uh, by the board. And that will then uh, be followed um, by the change, uh, a robust change management and as well as the communication uh, uh, plan. Right, uh, um, in terms of rolling uh, this within within the organization. So, uh, Shirin, uh, thank you uh, for uh, the opportunity given to share this. Um, yeah, thanks. Thank you very much, Andila. That's a very extensive um, and uh, rollout in the sense of your plan. And clearly, you you know, we're not this didn't just start yesterday. You spent a lot of time and work on that, um, but very insightful. I'm going to hold for questions. As I said, we're going to try and let people ask questions in the chat. So we'll go on to the next uh, presenter and, and then there will be some opportunities for some discussion here, but then in the breakaway. I know that you're not going to be able to be there. So we'll try and see if we can bring some questions before you go. But I really appreciate that very insightful presentation. I know there might be some questions already um, about, and we will, people are asking me about pres presentations. They will be shared. All right, so our third session, our third presenter is um, advocate Anton uh, Boswell. Anton is currently serves as a um, consultant to HSRC in terms of our um, labor um, expertise. And he um, has been asked to talk to us about specific issues around occupational health and safety, employment contracts, um, and those sorts of related issues. So Anton, thank you very much and over to you. Thank you very much. I uh, appreciate the opportunity. Uh, working from home or anywhere, um, I'm going to speak on the uh, effect, of, or effect of this working arrangement on, from a legal perspective regarding employment contracts and, of course, uh, occupational health and safety. I'll do so very briefly in the 10 minutes allocated, although 10, 15 minutes has been allocated, but one can, of course, devote hours and hours to this topic. So uh, this is just a brief slideshow, which will be available afterwards for the participants. Um, um, I just want to see if I can get my screen to move on. Uh, in, so with regard to employment contracts, Working from anywhere may be defined as um, an arrangement where an employee fulfills the essential responsibilities of the job as per his or her contract of employment away from the employer's physical premises. So wherever the employer, uh, the employer's actual address is this 
remote working arrangement will be away from that physical premises. And this is obviously done by utilizing information and communications technology. In other words, the internet and its attendant apps and uh, devices to communicate with colleagues and your management regarding your work and also doing your work remotely and then transmitting your work to your, um, to your company and your colleagues. The COVID pandemic uh, has in this country forced employers to restructure the traditional workplace environment due to the necessity of keeping social distancing protocols in place. South Africa, in my view, an experience prior to the lockdown was um, not entirely uh, or to a large degree focused on uh, remote working. This is a completely, in general, new um, state of affairs which employers and employees have had to now deal with. And um, I think in general, it's been done fairly successfully across the board. Um, but there are certain issues that have to be borne in mind. Um, and remote working presents a unique set of problems to employers regarding the management of these employee, of their employees. Uh, some of these problems are timekeeping, obviously. How do you measure the specific hours that your employees contracted to work during working hour, during working the working day? Can you be what what type of measures are you going to implement to measure that? The other important um, issue is overtime and compensation. If you have employees that are eligible for overtime, uh, in other words, they earn under the threshold in terms of the uh, basic conditions of the Employment Act, they become uh, automatically eligible for overtime compensation. But how do you measure that uh, accurately in order to compensate your employees? And how do you prevent employees from working unnecessary overtime, not only to protect your own budget as an employer, but also to protect the employee from burnout because it is seductive and easy for an employee to simply, if they are working from home, for instance, to walk from their bedroom to their, to their office space or workspace and simply start working at, work, uh, working at all hours when it is uh, perhaps not entirely necessary to do so. And then, of course, you have to ensure that your employees take their meal and rest breaks uh, because these are also not structured as it would be in an office environment where everyone takes a meal or rest break at the same time. Uh, the, the other issue is employees. Uh, the employer must try to uh, compensate or must compensate its employees for any home infrastructure and expense which the employee has to go to in order to uh, work remotely uh, from home. That would be only be fair. That is something that uh, should be considered as well. And then also, uh, these are issues that have to be um, 
implemented uh, or uh, incorporated in uh, the working in, into employment contracts, whether by way of policies or addendums. And then, of course, another issue that must be dealt with and considered in this context is occupational health and safety. And I'll deal with that separately a little later on in this presentation. And then lastly, uh, working from home is what we are currently doing during the, this particular lockdown period or the lockdown is re regarding COVID-19 and working from anywhere remotely is what Professor Chowdhury and the previous speakers were also talking about after the lockdown has ended and we have maybe moved away from this terrible virus and people are then free to work remotely um, that is working from anywhere truly working from anywhere you have the choice as to where you want to work and the, the, are, the previous speakers have also dealt with types of employment or jobs that lend themselves to working remotely so those are the issues that um, must be considered. Uh, and then of course, the legal position regarding uh, the workplace and the definition of a workplace becomes important in the context of working remotely or working from home. What, what is the workplace? And the Constitutional Court in 2017 decided in the case of Association of Mining Workers and others versus the Chamber of Mines and others, AMCU, in other words, we probably have heard of that trade union, uh, analyzed the definition of the term workplace in the Labor Relations Act and concluded that location is not the primary determinant, but functional organization is the primary determinant when defining the actual workplace or where the actual workplace is located. The definition encompasses one or more place or places where the employees of an employer work. This means that the place or places where workers work or employees work may constitute a single workplace. In other words, uh, the workplace is not limited to these particular location where the employee uh, exercises uh, or works, uh, in other words, remotely. The definition entails the intrinsic possibility of a location, of locational multiplicity for a single workplace. Right at the outset, this eliminates any notion which the ordinary meaning of workplace might encourage, that each single place of work is where a worker works, or that each single place where a worker works is a separate workplace. And this isn't so. It's not a separate workplace. All the workplaces together uh, form the place of work. Um, the Constitutional Court's interpretation of the meaning of the workplace means that wherever the employee renders service for the employer is to be considered an intrinsic part of the functional organization. And as I've said, that is irrespective of where they are located. This means that all employees, all, the, all of the employers and employees' obligations, duties and liabilities remain intact with regard to the place where the employee executes his or her daily tasks. 
the remote location where the employee renders service is therefore irrelevant to the employment relationship in the contract of employment. That means that the um, employee, uh, that the employer is liable for the employee's health and safety and for anything that may happen or go wrong resulting in the injury or ill health to the employee at the, at the uh, remote place of work. Change in the, uh, furthermore, with regard to the uh, employment contract, the change in the conception of where work is physically performed and the multitude of forms of work has resulted in, one, a decrease in the close integration between employers, organizations and the employer's organization and employees, and a decrease in the employer's right to control and supervise every minute, uh, every minute, uh, every minute aspect of the employee's work. Despite the fact that the employee is working remotely, the employee is nevertheless still subject to the right direction, control and discipline by the employee, by the employer as these rights arise from the nature of the employment contract itself and are not affected by the remoteness of the work location. The, um, where the arrangement that, um, I'm sorry, I'm just, uh, when working, when the working room arrangement with the employee changes to allow the employee to work remotely, this change in the arrangement should be accompanied by an agreement setting out the specific terms and conditions of that arrangement. The, um, so it's extremely important that the parties conclude such a contract, the employment policy, and also that policy should be developed to ensure that face-to-face -face virtual communication between the employer and employee occurs on a regular basis, which should be both targeted and personal. Employment policies should be developed to encourage management to listen to employees' concerns in order to flush out the concerns so that the employer can respond correctly. And this is important because uh, we don't have, management doesn't have, and we don't have as management the same level of contact that one would usually and normally have if the employee was physically present at the workplace all the time as in the past. And the training should also be provided in this regard. The employer should establish rules of conduct, setting out when and where and how the employee must be available and responsive, when lunch times and tea times will be taken, how performances will performance will be reported and managed, considering the employee's circumstances, and what practical steps can be taken to motivate employees to organize themselves to work remote, remotely, as in the case from home. The employee should also establish and implement measures to ensure that working hours and rest breaks occur in line with the employee's terms and conditions of employment, and also ensure that employees record the total hours that they have worked each day or week.
and utilize online attendance or email methods to record working hours. The, as far as occupational health and safety is concerned, the Occupational Health and Safety Act applies in most workplaces in South Africa, except in the, the mining industry and, and the line shipping industry. According to what has already been stated, the individual remote workspace forms part of the workplace during working hours. After working hours, it ceases to form part of the workspace. This means that employers remain liable for the health and safety in terms of the Occupational Health and Safety Act, irrespective of where the actual work is performed. In other words, it doesn't, it, if it's performed away from the uh, physical premises of the employer, the employer is still responsible for the uh, health and safety of that individual employee. Employers are not expected to take extreme and extraordinary measures to provide and maintain a safe workplace. All that is required are reasonable measures. And the question that must be asked is whether the employer knew or to have known that a particular hazard existed in the workplace, and if so, whether the employee, employer implemented reasonable measures to prevent or mitigate the hazard from materializing. Um, so the uh, Occupational Health and Safety Act places an obligation on the employer to provide, maintain, and as far as reasonably practicable, a working environment which is safe without risk to the health of employees. The timing, location, and circumstances of an injury or duty are important considerations which to determine if the injury occurred during regular working hours and in a location where the employer could have anticipated that the employee would perform work and occurred during the performance of duty. And this becomes important because the uh, workplaces or spaces where employees will be working from remotely are so varied and different that uh, the employer should take policies, to put that, uh, should create policies to cover that and we'll deal with that uh, in a moment. If so, the employer may also be held liable for the injury in terms of the Occupational Health and Safety Act. According to Article 19 of the International Labour Organisations Convention 155, employees must, while performing work, cooperate with the employer in fulfilling the employer's health and safety obligations. This means that employees must take reasonable care of their own safety and other persons who might, might be affected by their acts or omissions, comply with the instructions regarding their, with the employer's instructions regarding their own health and safety and with the employer's health and safety policies and procedures and immediately report any hazardous situation which they cannot themselves correct to management and report any accident or injury arising during or in connection with work. And these uh, uh, steps or requirements can be, of course, uh, uh, incorporated in a policy which can be distributed within the workplace to uh, educate the employees on their duties and to assist the employer in complying with its own obligations. 
It's just, it is suggested that a health and safety policy be drafted to cover the employees who work remotely. The policy should include employees, uh, include that employees should abide by the employer's health and safety policies during any period working from anywhere. Employers have the responsibility to take care of their own physical and mental well-being during the period of remote working and should ensure that they are physically fit and that they eat and sleep well and exercise regularly. Now, this is important because being in a, in a home location or how, uh, one is inclined not to exercise regularly and um, to not take care of yourself in the same way that you would, whether it be your appearance or your eating habits uh, or other um, issues uh, if, in the same manner that you would if you were working on a regular face-to-face -face basis with other colleagues in a physical location. Employees, employees should be required to report any unsafe working conditions which might exist or arise at the remote working location to the employer immediately. And the policy must clearly state that the employer will not assume liability for injuries arising in the employee's workspace outside of the agreed hours or any loss, uh, destruction or injury that may occur to the home of the employee. This includes family, visitors and anyone else who becomes injury, injured within or around the employee's home. So um, the, uh, the employer will only be liable to, for the employee himself or herself if they become injured on duty. In addition to all of the above, the employer should also ensure compliance with the Health and Safety Act and its own policies and procedures uh, by providing information and training on health and safety issues, particularly relevant to employees working remotely ensure employees are aware of or provided with information about the general obligations regarding health and safety, including taking care of their own health and safety and the safety of others. Ensure employees are aware of and comply with the employer's health and safety policies, including procedures for reporting work-related injuries and accidents and a complete review of the employer's health and safety policies should be done to ensure that these provisions cover the employee's remote working location. And then, of course, the employer should also provide ongoing evaluation of off-site employees' workstations and provide guidance regarding ergonomic conditions which could affect the employee's uh, health and indeed safety with regard to, with due regard to the employee's own privacy considerations. Lastly, uh, with regard to health and health and mental well-being, uh, it is has been found by studies done by the International Labour Organization that physical distance from the traditional workplace could not be allowed should not be allowed to cause social isolation, which can occur. To assist employees to cope with remote working and possible loneliness, the following actions could be considered by the employer. Contacting employees regularly 
to ensure they feel supported and being available, accessible and willing to listen when employees need support. So regular FaceTime with your employer is important um, to deal with the, the feelings of social isolation and also to keep that feeling of integration alive that the employee doesn't feel isolated. Creating opportunities for team communication, using online tools to establish team-wide chat groups, um, as Professor Chowdhury alluded to, um, as well as um, having, uh, you know, Zoom or such like meetings where all the members of the team can communicate at the same time. Providing appropriate control and flexibility over how work is performed. In other words, there must be control on the same, but at the same time, flexibility. The, and to offer practical tools to support positive health, positive mental health, including access to the employee assistance program. I do know that the um, Human Sciences Research Council as an excellent employee assistance program, which employees do use on a regular basis. Um, but, uh, you know, employees can, employers that do not have that can consider uh, making use of, of such a program. And then appropriately responding to signs of distress and providing a point of contact to discuss concerns. Uh, raising awareness of the employees' responsibility to take care of their own physical and well mental well-being and drafting a policy incorporating all of the above suggestions would go a long way to assisting employees uh, with their health and mental well-being and also to limit the liability that uh, employers could occur um, in terms of the Health and Safety Act and other le uh, legislation regarding um, employers, uh, employees' health and, and safety and, and uh, mental and physical well-being. That is the end of my presentation. Uh, if there are any questions, then you are obviously welcome to ask me during the uh, rest of the uh, presentation um, that we can deal with. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you very much, Anton. Um, a little bit worrying about some of those legal requirements and what the implications for institutions may be, um, but, but clearly important issues that we have to take into account. Um, not going to allow for questions now. I'm hoping that you'll be available for until we finish the two presentations yes. um, and perhaps just to ask people to put any comments and questions into the chat. Um, so let's move on to our, our next pre presenter, um, and that is Mr. Danny Tuckwood. Danny is director at Metaco. Metaco is um, a consult, a bespoke consultancy that specifically deals with issues around organizational culture development, etc. Um, Danny has been involved with uh, uh, Metaco, and Danny himself has been involved in leadership training, uh, both in the corporate sector, entrepreneurial development, um, and, and working with teams. Um, HSRC has been fortunate to have some access to Metaco in the past. So Danny, welcome and over to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think I'm going to 
just quickly uh, share my screen here, if that's okay. I don't know if you can see or not. Um, it's beginning too, but hasn't yet shared. There, we go. Uh, there it is. Great. Yeah, great. I'm going to change the pace. Um, I'm not going to work on detail, and we're going to look at things from a slightly broader perspective than digging into too much of the psychosocial aspects, because the subject is just so deep and so broad that it's not going to do it justice in 10 minutes. So hopefully what I can do in the next 10 minutes is really just give you some food for thought. I'm not going to give you answers. I'm going to hopefully leave you with more questions than anything else. So recently at Martin Luther King Day in the US, and this quote, which was delivered back in 1964, I think is more relevant now than ever before. All life is interrelated. We're all caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied into a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one, affects all. And for some strange reason, I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. This is the reality that we are now facing. And it's being brought into far sharper context. Ruth Wakeman has uh, written extensively on senior leadership teams. The demands on contemporary organizations are rapidly outdistancing the capabilities of any single person, no matter how talented. This means we can no longer look for a heroic leader. We can no longer look for one person to solve our problems. Be that a leader of a team, a leader in an organization, leader of a country, can no longer deal with the complexity of the world in which we're living. So what does that mean? Well, effectively, we can't work alone. We can no longer be alone. So working from anywhere does not mean working in isolation. We can no longer work in that space. We can no longer work even if we're in the office from our own desk and our own little world. We have to engage. We have to work on the parts connecting rather than the parts themselves. That's going to mean fundamental changes to what we perceive as work. And this isn't going to happen at some way off distant point. The work from anywhere is part of it, and we're already in that future. So it really is time to shift. Tomorrow's world isn't going to be tomorrow. Tomorrow's world's here. The fourth industrial revolution has already happened. We just didn't notice it because we were too busy with other things. So what we're finding, and it's across the world, is that organizations 
they're focusing on trying to find the best ways to adapt to now. The people in those organizations from the top down are struggling with fatigue from the frequency that change is happening and the pace that it's happening. So we have a, a little um, formula which seems quite relevant in the current world and the world in which we're being faced is that learning, organizational learning, must be equal to or greater than the speed at which the environment is changing around you. Now this formula is, is, is in some sense is Darwinian. It's the formula that Darwin proposed, which wasn't survival of the fittest. It's survival of the species that is capable of adapting fastest to the rate at which the, the environment is changing around them. We are in the midst of environmental change at a level never seen in, in human history. If we do not, as a species, start to learn and change equal to or faster than the rate at which the environment around us is changing, we're going to go the same way as the dinosaurs. So we can no longer look at a world where there's input, output, outcome. The days of managing employees in the same way that we managed machinery, which has existed for since the Industrial Revolution, is gone. A lot of the questions I've been seeing in the chat box around how do we monitor this, how do we measure this, are now frankly becoming irrelevant. And we don't yet know how to manage our people in a post-COVID world. And the leaders in organizations have even less understanding because the complexity with which they're operating and having to consider is changing so fast, there isn't the time to put something in place. We may even have to abandon the whole idea of change management because change is no longer manageable. So, Part of the disquiet that we're feeling and is, is present in the space, it's not a, a shift from working in an office to working from home, to working from anywhere. That is really a symptom of something far more fundamental that's going on in a societal structures that we need to be aware of, learn from and adapt to. So also, we can't just see COVID in isolation. COVID is one of the things that we're facing, but it's minuscule compared to global warming. It's minuscule compared to the environment within which we're gonna be operating. So humanity as a species needs to respond in a different way. And my suggestion would be systemically in adapting to a whole new environment. The, the actual words of work and life. So that work and life balance 
doesn't exist. In fact, it never has, but we've never been open to being anything else. And it certainly isn't a balance because a balance would say that one thing gives in favor of the other. We aren't on that seesaw anymore. We have to find a way in which life has harmony, part of which we dedicate to adding value to the organization that we operate for. There's another part which is what we're calling life. So we have a life outside of work. I don't think the two are going to be separate much longer. They're going to be income interchangeable. We also need to look at not just the human context, but the more than human world that we're environment, the environment as it's called. Global warming is going to have an even bigger effect than COVID ever has on the nature of life on this planet. And unless we're aware of that, whether we're working in an office, working from home, working from anywhere, is not going to make a blind bit of difference if we have no planet to inhabit. So I'm trying to give you a, a different context, a different vision on what's happening. The problems that we're experiencing, the problems of working from home, of work-life balance, of managing work, of social connection, of maintaining the culture of an organization. We're not going to be able to deal with it by addressing the parts. We're going to need to start engaging with the connections. We're going to need to start finding different ways of connecting with people, even when we're not in the same space. So it's interesting, Professor Raj, talking about asynchronous communication. I think we need to go another step. What do we have to come together to do that we cannot do apart? If we can't answer that question, there is no need for a Zoom meeting. There is no need for us to get together on a platform, either virtual or in person, if we're not going to create a shared value that is more than the sum of the parts. So reporting in is different. The way in which people are measured on their productivity needs to change away from input, output, outcome. So what is the value that has been created by the time that is spent by that person in working on an issue in the connections between the parts that has resulted in significant value for that stakeholder now and in the future. The answer to this is not as straightforward. As I said, I'm not going to give you any straightforward answers. What we're really looking at is COVID has given us the opportunity to really push against homeostasis, to push against the way that we've done things for the last 200 odd years. That's going to require a different mindset and not a mindset of an individual, but a mindset of the collective. It's going to challenge our leaders to lead in a different way. It's going to challenge managers to manage their teams in a different way. 
it's going to mean individuals taking responsibility, not just for their output, but for their contribution to the purpose that the organization serves. And if we can't engage with individuals in that purpose, we're going to lose them to somewhere else. So yes, there are a myriad of immediate problems in the psychosocial space. The isolation, the lack of connectivity, the, the how does a working, a single parent deal with kids at home and provide food and sustenance if they're not able to do their job properly. So there are immediate concerns. My suggestion is they're part of a bigger issue. And unless we start dealing with the cause rather than the effects, we're not going to beat the dinosaurs. And some of those dinosaurs, as Chris was saying, that the 60% of companies that may not adopt post changes in working practice post COVID may also be the dinosaurs that don't make it into, into the next evolution of mankind. So I'm gonna leave it there. My contact details are there. I'd love to engage with you further on this and LinkedIn, on Facebook. And together we've got to try and find ways to make the connections that make the difference. Sharon, back to you. Thank you very much. Some very, very sobering, but also some very concerning issues that you've raised and very important issues, I think about those connections and those synergies between the different parts of our lives. And I think some important questions, even about how we value our work and our private lives, and how we deal with that. I'd love for us to have had an even longer conversation with yourself and perhaps we can look at something else further. But for now, I know I noted that you are having to leave. So we just want to thank you. And perhaps we will share with you what comes out of the sessions or any questions and issues and perhaps how we find a way to virtually continue to, to champion some of the issues that you've spoken about and how we take that forward. But Love to. Thank you. Love to. Great. Um, we are a, a little bit behind schedule, but um, um, myself and Chris are busy looking at how we will adjust. Uh, but so we're going to go straight to the next presentation, which is our last presentation. Um, I'm going to ask you to indulge with, in a sense that we would plan to break for five minutes just a stretch break but assuming that you all can find ways to stretch and and grab that cup of coffee or whatever as we go um so the, our, our last presentation is from um september misi timber is uh infrastructure it infrastructure manager at hsrc he's he's had seasoned um it experience over 20 years um Paid a whole range of different roles in the organization has been spearheading a number of the IT technological changes that we've, we've experienced in HSRC, um, including the, the, the migration to Zoom and work teams, etc. So Temba, over to you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Shireen. Um, hope everyone can hear me. Um, yes. Oh, yes, Aishirin can hear me. Yes, we can. Are you, are you going to put anything up or are you just going to talk? Yes, yeah. Okay. Hope you can see my screen. Yes, we can. Great. 
Right, Shilin. So thank you very much for the opportunity uh, that you've afforded us as the IT department. So my presentation will be looking into three areas, uh, which is how we handled the current situation that we are faced with and uh, the tools that we've put in place to make sure that the HSRC workforce is able to continue working either from home or from anywhere. And the challenges that people continue to experience or that they've experienced right at the beginning. So um, we have been sort of in a way been prepared, you know, uh, because of the dispersed HSRC offices in the country where we've got people working from um, all of the major cities in the, in the country, be it Devon, Cape Town, Pretoria, Sweetwater, and wherever. But also we have the uh, workforce or the mobile workforce in the HSRC that is mostly traveling local and overseas. So that in a way sort of like prepared us you know, to make sure that our workforce can operate from anywhere, despite the uh, alien infrastructure or the back office infrastructure that we, we, we have. So working from anywhere is something many weren't prepared for. It was sprung upon by circumstances. These unusual circumstances of COVID-19 have forced the IT department to prepare and respond quickly. Uh, to that situation. So the organization day-to-day -day operation be, uh, depends more and mostly on the IT services that we, we, we provide. Uh, remote working employees need secure access to software, application, and some unfamiliar technologies that they had to start making use of, you know, when they started working from home. Uh, this is a list of some of the tools that we had to put up and enhance, you know, for the users to be able to comfortably operate from home. So I'll be starting with the first one, which is the desktop collaboration tools and the privacy issues that came with that. So the global video conferencing industry had to gain traction during the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, Krish, I should think you need to lock the room because we're starting to see the Zoom bombing already, you know, which I was about to start talking to. Hello, Krish? Yeah, I've just removed him. Sorry about this. Okay, sure. Yes. So government and private sectors have considered video conferencing as an ultimate solution to connect with remote workers customers and employees, and at the same time, it prevented direct contact with the people. So people started making use more of the um, desktop collaboration tools. And some of these tools have experienced some type of uh, Zoom bombing, which we've just started to see here. People started scribbling on the screen because uh, we didn't lock the room or maybe some other security features were not in place. So these are some of the things that uh, we have experienced when we started making use of some of these collaboration tools. Um, some of these tools that we've employed in the HSRC, you know, they come with security features, which now kept on being built as we were moving along and we kept on implementing that to make sure that um, people do not just simply zoom into the um, sessions. 
Uh, the virtual private network was another tool which was also enhanced. It has already been there and which provides a way to make online behavior safer when working remotely. So the VPN is a major piece of internet infrastructure linking together the work from anywhere or the work from home workforce and the data center, which is internal in each, in each one of the HSRC offices, being in Cape Town, Pretoria or anywhere. So it also encrypts the network link to keep data safe and protect privacy. So as users are working from home, we always encourage them that as you log on onto your machine, just ensure that you also log on to the VPN so that your um, surfing on the web is sort of uh, secure. Um, TeamViewer was also implemented. Uh, this was a tool which was specifically uh, implemented to simplify the IT technical support for the IT support team so that we are able to support our users as they sit at home with any technological challenges that they come across. The help desk continued to operate and provide the necessary technical support while we maintaining the social distancing. So we've been doing more of telephone and our team viewer support. Cybex, considering that users were working away from the uh, normal network that they would be connected to in the office, and some people forgetting to log on onto the VPN. So was also implemented and was also beefed up so that uh, it can automatically start backing up predetermined files types of users' data on a daily basis to a central location. So this operations runs in the background and does not require an interaction with the user. So users working from anywhere or from home have to ensure that they connect to the HSRC network via the VPN or the virtual private network for this operation to successfully work. Patch management. Uh, patch management and endpoint security has become more challenging for businesses and IT professionals. Hackers are actively exploiting these new challenging circumstances to target remote workers, business and individuals alike. So relevant patches or pieces of software to ensure that your machine are secure are consistently applied to all now the HSRC issued machine. So if you are using a machine that's not HSRC issued, then those patches would would, would won't be applied. So this protected the HSRC from the dreaded ransom attacks and have paralyzed other organizations in the recent past. And this is evident from some of the media, media release that we've seen, where now some of the big corporations you know, have been you know, attacked by these ransomware attacks and so on. Uh, we have also enabled uh, disaster recovery and beefed it up as well. So um, business continuity planning and management is important supplement, as supplemented by the disaster recovery strategy. So the pandemic has made it clear how vulnerable we can be or we are as uncovered long neglected weaknesses in processes and systems. 
IT security policies had to be changed slightly. Uh, we have a password, uh, password expiry date, which had to be extended to improve user productivity. So uh, paper-based user account management process, which we've got internally, had to be waived because now some of the users don't have now the necessary equipment for them to complete that and then scan the document and send it back to the office. So email requests were allowed for system account extension. So the help desk will receive that and then will accept that and ensure that uh, account extensions have been you know, implemented. So some of our users' experiences, uh, which we have noted, and um, um, unreliable Wi-Fi or connectivity from um, the various ISPs, depending on where the users are living, you know, which that has also resulted in poor quality of video meetings. And we take note also of the asynchronous communication that was talking about earlier on, which now I should think that we need to consider that. Uh, frequent disconnects from corporate network, which now that happens from time to time because of the unstable network that we uh, see now and again. Slow file downloads because of also you know, the unreliable or unstable Wi-Fi connectivity that we get from our various ISP. And long response times from loading applications, then that also sort of frustrated our users as they were working from home. So, and some other things, which was now the hardware difficulties and laptop breaking, which has been causing some of the issues for the lab, for, for, for the users. Uh, some remediation. So the global work from anywhere experiment happened in a rush. So we were unprepared and with no budget to some certain extent. So as an HSRC, we've started identifying priority strategies where we look at beefing up automating remote network operation. So the back office infrastructure was not catered for so many people to connect simultaneously. So we're looking at beefing that up. So the system automation and looking at some cloud um, systems as well investing in digital security technologies and software as now you know that. As you work remotely, you really do need to be secured in the way you are working so that you don't have the ransomware and some of those other issues affecting you. So IT security as a key part to the working from away equation, it's very, very, very important. And then we cannot underestimate that, that IT security, it's key, you know, to the working from away or from home so that people don't even snoop on whatever you are working on. Uh, we have also implemented password self-service so where users are able to um, sort of like change now the passwords on their own as like we normally do with other applications we have seen that we use from the bank and so on and so forth. Um, user education, you know, in this area is very, very important and particularly on the risk that users are, in, uh, are coming across. For example, where people are 
receiving emails from unknown sources where they simply try and open all those emails. So we are going to continue to educate our users on some of these issues that are happening. So in conclusion, remote working requires a culture change. So where we start doing the normal things, that we start doing new ways of doing all things. Ensure secure remote working environment and fostering collaboration more, provide troubleshooting outlets, and also ensure that uh, we have expert and experienced IT support professionals to ensure that we keep our infrastructure working and also our users supported in the time of need. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much, Temba. I, I must say, I was shocked. It's the first time I've ever seen, I've heard of Zoom bombing, but I've never seen it in action. I, I was kind of curious about why were you doing that scribbling all over the page until I, I until you said what you did. I was just totally taken away. Um, thank you. And I think you've uh, clearly identified some of the things that HSRC did in order to pivot and perhaps lessons for other organizations who are present here, or maybe they had some slightly different responses. Colleagues, we are running... So thank you once again, Tamba, really, really helpful. Um, and just that very first demonstration itself of how important security is um, for somebody like myself has just been brought home so much more, um, in so much more sharp, um, much more sharply. Um, so what we've done is we're suggesting that we uh, basically maybe just take, ask if there are any comments or questions or issues that people want to raise in the chat. I haven't seen anything now for the next two or three minutes if people would just like to capture that or yeah, so that we could maybe just see if there are any issues that people would like to talk to for the presentations that we've had so far. We, we have unfortunately um, lost two of our presenters. And then we're suggesting that we then go into breakaway groups. The idea had been that um, we have four themes. I'll put those up now. Um, let me quickly do that while I'm talking to you, sorry. Wrong presentation. Okay, um, let me see. Can you see my presentation? Yes, yeah? can can see. Can see okay. Great. So we have we had four themes that we were going to ask groups to, and what we'd done was to um, suggest that each group would start at a different point. And so group one might start with that question, but could later on answer all the other questions as well. But given that we're running out of time, um, we've now decided that we will allow each group to talk to one theme only, um, as much as some of you might want to be. So we're not gonna um, put you into groups, but rather allow you, and Krish will explain how, to, how that'll happen, allow you to opt into the group that you'd like to go to, so that you, for the interest area that you're interested in. And that we will then get, you know, and each group has got a facilitator and they will be capturing notes. So we won't have necessarily um, uh, report backs from everybody, but just the group facilitator. So just, and the idea in these discussions is to try, you know, we've given you the broad question and we've given you the, some prompts. And the idea is for you to begin to suggest. If you even think about what are the three most important things that you want to, um, in a sense, make suggestions about or recommend or ask for consideration or, or another question that you want to ask that needs to be considered so that we can all take that away to our respective organizations. Uh, we will share with you the report and all the presentations as well. So many of you will be able to use that in your institutions. Um, all right, so, and, and just for those of you that were asking again in the chat, 
we will be um, sharing a link with you for all the presentations on WeTransfer, and you can download those. Uh, we'll, we'll give us a day or so, and we'll get that to you. So with that, I'm going to hand over to Krish and just ask him to explain the, the, how the group uh, formations will happen or how you opt into a particular group. Over to you, Krish. Must I stop sharing? Can you just leave this on the screen for a minute so I can actually just talk to this as well? Uh, so uh, thanks. Uh, we've, as Shireen mentioned, we're going to plan to break into four groups. So in Zoom, there's a feature that allows us to use a breakaway room. So we'll all go into our smaller private room. Um, we're going to group in, uh, break off into four groups. Um, so if you look, the first group, it's going to be about well-being and productivity. So I'm going to name that group uh, by the name of the facilitator and well-being and productivity. And so when you look at the bottom of your screen, there should be a breakout rooms button, which will appear just now after I've created the rooms. Um, so you will see the facilitator's name is Andrea. So it'll be Andrea, well-being and productivity. So if you're interested in talking about these issues, please select that one and, and enter there. Uh, the other group will be led by myself and that's focusing uh, on the productivity and the collaboration aspects. So that's group two. Um, and so, so I'll name that Krish Productivity slash uh, Collaboration. Uh, the third group will be about our jobs and activities, which are best suited for remote work. Um, so if you're looking for that, that would be uh, facilitated by Shireen. So the group would be Shireen Jobs slash Activities. Uh, and then the last one, my colleague Thelma will run that group. Uh, and that's going to be on promoting organizational culture, practices, and values. So it'll be Thelma, uh, culture, practices, values. Uh, Shireen, do you want to break off now or do you want a few minutes for a body break? You're on mute, Shireen. Apologies, after 10, 10 or 12 months, I still haven't learned. Um, Right. So while we while we are getting Krish to set up the groups for us, and while you're thinking about those themes and where you want to go, um, what I'd like to do is to just ask if there are any questions. Um, if not, we can take a three-minute or four-minute body break, um, coffee, tea, whatever else would help you, and then we're going to go into the, the session, which is probably the most important session for us, um, with the hope that we are all able to take away from here recommendation for what we'd like our institutions to begin to consider. So, yeah, I think there might be some questions or comments that people want to make about the earlier presentations. Any? I, I'm happy to even just take a few hands. If people just put your, um, you know how to put your little hand up um, on your, next to your name, you'll be able to see whether you can put your hand up or not if you're not familiar with that function. Can I just get indicators? Or even just put your screen on, your video on if you have a question or comment to make. Uh, Shireen, there was a question earlier about uh, what happens in the case of an injury at home. I see Anton uh, had actually sent me a private message. I think he was men meaning to send that out uh, to the group. Uh, his response was that an injury at home during working hours while working at home uh, could be regarded as an injury on duty. I mean, when, when I heard, yeah, thank you. When I, when I read through and heard what he was saying, I, my first reaction is that I, I think many, many organizations might be afraid to even consider um, working from home simply because the implications um, might be so intense. I mean, I can't see an, H, an institution like HSRC with 
I mean, Erica, here are the 500 staff being able to go and check the environmental work, environmental arrangements for, for every staff. I, I don't know. Uh, it, it worries me. And, and to some extent, I'm even asking the question, should not some of those age, those rules change? But yeah, Erica, any thoughts? Um, Sharon, can you hear me? Yes, we can. I've stopped my video, but I obviously can't I see you, but that's fine. It's not a problem. Um, so you will also recall that the labor lawyer indicated that an employer must come to an agreement with employees in terms where the employee can then also do a declaration saying that the working environment, wherever that might be, is safe and it adheres to the necessary requirements. So we were quite concerned, especially during level uh, lockdown five in March last year, because it, I mean, everybody's on lockdown, so you can't even perform inspections. But the ideal situation would be from working from home is that the employer can perform some random checks, perhaps through the occupational health and safety representatives, but I mean, we are not there as an organization yet. Um, so your, your biggest um, closure of that gap would come in where you would expect employees to sign a declaration or an undertaking to say they understand the implications and they declare that the lounge or wherever they're sitting and working from a dining room area, bedroom. I know we've got had staff working from their bedroom spaces and things like that are in fact um, secure. So that's your best way to close those gaps. Uh, we must also take into consideration the Occupational Health and Safety Act is one of the oldest acts in the labor legislative framework that we have got in the South African context. So yonks ago, many years ago, when this act was designed and developed, working from home or working from anywhere was not even a concept or, or, or notion. Um, so we might find that as changes happens in industries, then obviously within the South African context, that the legislator might, there might become a need for the legislator to make certain changes as that develops. Thank you. Um, I, I'm not seeing any other, okay, so I think class, you've got a question um, about bullying. Um, if they're bullied by managers, if they prefer to work from home and their jobs allow that they work from home. Um, so the bullied, I'm assuming you're saying bullied to work at work rather than to be at home. Um, and I think that's part of the discussion that we will have. We'll take that question. It's a very good one um, into the jobs discussion that we have uh, shortly. Krish, are we ready to explain the group breakaway so that we can go into that straight away? We're ready. Just one question to you. How long should I schedule the breakaway session for? So we, we've we scheduled to finish at five. Um, each of the four um, theme leaders is has got a PowerPoint slide and we want them to put your responses. You can you can capture as many slides as you as you want, but we're gonna your responses will be on one slide only. And I'd like for more time for discussion. So I I, I would suggest that we give people um, at least um, 30 minutes 
at least, if not 35 minutes. And then we keep those report backs very short. And we will share all of this with people. The idea is not that we're going to come up with the definitive policy out of this. This is a, this is a conversation. And hopefully there may be other sessions where we might further this conversation if people are interested to work together. So I think we'll be able to share. We will be producing a, a brief summary report. And we are happy to share that Krish has all of your contact details. If you haven't registered um, and your name is there as, as as Krish or you know, Zoom or whatever, please just go and re-register so that we have your contact details, your emails, et cetera, so that we can actually reach out and, and share the documents with you. So I would think group um, Andrea, um, Thelma, let's just agree, should we go for 35 minutes? Um, yeah? Okay, okay, 35 minutes. That'll yeah. bring us back to at about 10 to. Yeah, I think that'll be good. Um, just one note to all the facilitators, just please ensure that the session is recording so we can uh, use that for uh, when we produce our report later on. Okay, I'm going to open the rooms now. Uh, please look to the breakout uh, rooms button that's going to now pop up on your screen and it will prompt you uh, to choose which room you want to enter into. Thank you. Shireen, shall I take over? Okay, I, I read your lips. I think you said, please go for it. <laughs> please go for it. Okay, thank you everyone. I hope you've all had quite a fruitful discussion in the breakaways. Um, we're running out of time, unfortunately. So we try and condense this as much as we can. I'm gonna hand over to Andrea, who can just summarize the, the key issues which came up uh, when discussing issues of well-being and productivity. Andrea? Sure, thanks, Krish. Um, yeah, so we focus mainly on how we promote both uh, worker well-being and productivity from the side of, mainly from the side of the employees. Um, we didn't have too much discussion on, on the employer side, but I think the main um, points coming out were that we need a mindset change as employees. Uh, for some people, it, the working from home did suit their, uh, their style of working when it comes to flexibility uh, and being able to concentrate, but for others, um, it did require a mindset change. Um, and so from the side of the employer, you know, uh, programs that facilitate this mindset change of working from home are needed. Um, linked to that are company policies that um, need to be adapted uh, and adopted very quickly. Um, and, and we've seen that company policies have not really um, being, yeah, nothing new has come that really deals with the mental health, um, the fatigue, grief counseling, uh, uh, helping people with uh, bereavement and trauma. Um, and it, it shows that there was an unpreparedness on the side of, of managers um, and, and employees, employers, sorry, um, with regard to, to these policies. Um, Oh, and one of as well, the last theme that we really spoke about was the resources that are needed to work optimally. Um, and it is that we were forced to work from home at, at, during a crisis. And so um, basic things such as uh, laptops and data uh, connectivity aren't in our homes. Um, and so that has been a process and obviously productivity um, is, is hampered. 
Um, one other thing that hampers productivity is the issue of collaboration and teamwork. And I think that will probably come up stronger in when we're dealing with the other the question of, of collaboration. Mm -hmm. Those are the main issues that came out in, in our session. Thank you, Andrea. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I, I'm, I, I like that point about us being unprepared. And I think that lends to this idea of us being thrust into this world of emergency work from home. And so no organization has really uh, spent the time to really grapple with what it means to really support our staff uh, when we're doing this. And perhaps uh, what we're talking about today is helping us flesh out what are those key points that, that need to be focused on and definitely points like grief counseling. Uh, we, we, we really need to expand on that because I'm sure everybody that's with us today has had some experience in the last few months um, uh, with the way the pandemic is, has really just spread. Uh, I'm going to take over. We had about, in our group on collaboration, uh, we had about seven people that were there. So we had quite a, a technical discussion. Um, so we, we spoke about the, the tools uh, that, that people have been used. And again, it, it leads uh, back into what Andrea was saying about we've been thrust into this world and we weren't quite sure about what tools were there and how do we go about accessing it. And we were quite lucky to have Timba Nisi with us. And he really spoke to um, the, the choices that, that uh, the IT division had to make in the HSRC. And he gave us some good suggestions um, uh, that, that we could have. I think the, the first point that came up um, for us to share knowledge amongst ourselves, there was an idea about starting discussion forums within an organization because uh, it's difficult to get that face-to-face -face time. So they thought these asynchronous platforms may be the, the, the spot for us to exchange ideas, uh, which links back to um, what uh, Prof Chaudhary was, was saying earlier today. Um, and then that, that point about um, not knowing what's there. So an idea was also maybe we could use our internet to access and identify uh, the various services and tools that our IT teams have been uh, uh, getting into partnerships with. So we, we looked at the VPNs that we have, the various sorts of video conferencing tools that we have. And so the IT teams in the background are doing stuff, but we need to have that communication strategy there so that we, we understand what is available and what, what we can uh, work with. Um, and then what was important on the, on the skills issue is how do we go about training people for the right stuff? And so an important point that was raised is that you've got to look at what sort of requests keep flooding into your, uh, into your call centers and then start tra uh, developing training which speaks to uh, those sorts of issues. So if Zoom is new, generally something new is the, is the tool where there's a lot of panic that sets in. How do I use this? What is expected of me? So when those occurrences exist, that's the time to respond. And you, you look at the numbers as they come into your call centers. Um, and then we spoke about uh, hardware. Um, many organizations are restricted perhaps with using desktop machines and they weren't ready to provide their organization laptops. Uh, Timba spoke about having an agreement with your service provider and we should move away from outright purchases to lease agreements. And that will allow us to change the hardware that we have. And it, it helps us also to get rid of the, the redundant machines which, which exist. And an important point, I guess, that, that all organizations need to be thinking about is um, 
setting up partnerships with service providers. We have partnerships with TNET in the HSRC, which is allowing us to transition to new platforms like Zoom. And so then there need to be these agreements with, which take place uh, in, in the background. I'll stop there. We've got a few notes here that, that will go into the report. Um, Shireen, would you like to go over your group's uh, inputs? Sure. So we were a very small group, but we had quite um, interesting discussions. Our focus is around jobs, what jobs and activities are best suited to remote work. And I think that it was an interesting conundrum in the sense that it could be quite easy to talk about uh, particular types of jobs that automatically lend themselves. Security have to be at, well, generally have to be at the office or uh, cleaners have to be in the office um, to, to, to do the kinds of work, whereas other kinds of jobs were um, not that easy to, um, well, much more easier to be pivoted towards remote working. Um, so, so the point though was made that um, the concern has been about how those decisions are made about who gets to work at home and who doesn't and what kind of pressure is put on you. So concerns about how management, example of management were insisting people must be in the office even though there was absolutely no need for it. And in fact, it was exceeding the percentages of who should be in the office. So this kind of unilateral and strong managerial kind of bullying or so perceptions of bullying. On the other hand, um, there was an interesting reflection of the fact that where somebody could quite easily work from home, the, they seem to be tied to or their office space and the need for that office space and needing to have an administrator at their hands uh, on hand as a physical thing rather than working remotely was, was something that certain individuals who could quite easily work from home were not. But there was a third issue, which was about taking into account that um, you, you may, your work activities may en enable you, may, might, might be totally appropriate for working from home or working from anywhere, but the environment at home may not enable that working from anywhere um, and that included the fact that even with IT being given um, connectivity was a problem um, not everybody can buy noise curtains or even physical space to be able to have um, I, I remember a situation with one of one of uh, uh, somebody in our team who was physically having to sit in the car when he was having a, a zoom meeting because the child would be making a, a lot of noise in the back etc so this tension about who can and who can't work from home is a lot more nuanced. And there was quite a strong appeal for saying that managers need to, and there was a good example given of how the managers had sat, you know, so senior leadership had sat down with um, the workers as well as their managers to work out, you know, how, why decisions were being made in the way, and what was their input to it. And that was quite empowering and, and important. And then the final point I want to make is just a, a real sobering concern that they, we already knew with 4IR uh, that there was going to be a loss of jobs. We saw it. We weren't prepared for it. We weren't doing enough about it. Um, and they are clearly, because you've got situation of, of, for example, administrators or, or cleaners or security who are coming in maybe once a week, once every five days to work. Um, in the long run, if, if we're talking about five, six years of a pandemic, one of one of Ridwan was saying, you know, there's a history of pandemics that don't just disappear after after three months or three weeks of a lockdown. They they linger on for a long time. Um, what does that mean? That's likely going to be issues around um, serious jobs insecurity, serious concerns about elementary jobs being lost, 
and not enough efforts around reskilling. So I think I think those were broadly the kind of concerns that people were raising um, about how institutions look at this issue um, and the need for more team and collaborative working um, arrangements in order to make decisions. Thank you. Thanks, Shireen. It's definitely a very nuanced conversation that needs to be had. And I think the, the tricky point here is that we're adopting emergency protocols right now, but the emergency protocol, perhaps we're in danger of that becoming the norm. Uh, and many of these positions could be lost. So we've got to look at how do we guard against that and perhaps find ways to transition people out of those vulnerable states into uh, longer lasting jobs, at least. Uh, Thelma, um, can you wrap up with a few points in culture? Thanks, Krish. So um, for us, the overarching theme was communication. And as much as Prof Raj's work um, has been around geographic flexibility, for us, it's been about the people we work with are still people and contextually bound. So a lot of the digital transformation strategies may um, benefit from understanding the socioeconomic context within which that organization functions. And also understanding that people are people. Um, a lot of the women, again, raise those issues around home work-life balance um, within the context of, of organizational culture. And an organization that's been privileged to already have those policies for equity, diversity, and inclusivity in all its shapes and sizes um, is, maybe, is maybe blessed to have already considered that. But our strategy towards collaboration should then be having those best practices replicated um, organization-wide, but also across organizations. So as we are hampered by um, not having those opportunities for socializing and stakeholder engagement meetings and things like that, we actually have to rely on the individual and the agency in this context would be the social media presence and the, the opportunities individuals have to actually do a reach out, do a culture transfer as it were for a new employee to be onboarded, but it's going to rely more on person to person within a broader organization context. And as difficult as that may seem, what this transition to working from anywhere has given us is a lot more time, right? So you find that it's no longer only the onus, um, is no longer only on the HR person to onboard an individual, but a message, a slack, like um, Prof. Raja said, could actually bring organizations closer. And if your own organization didn't have that, that style of productivity versus wellness, um, being offset against each other, you could learn from somewhere else. You could see, oh, okay, Salga has been doing it like this. They're incentivizing employees by sending an Uber Eats voucher. They're acknowledging good work done for a mom who didn't want to cook and she's got the Uber Eats on her way tonight. So that well-being isn't in a silo, productivity isn't in a silo, but you have this creative incentivizing not only across your own organization, but at multi-organizational levels, um, retaining that we're working with people and that all our inputs are person-centered. Um, and the nature of the work itself must be known to each and every employee. And also um, then creatively navigate the spaces where remote working isn't possible and be very honest and reflective of that so as to avoid broadening inequalities within an organization and 
tell the bullying that someone flagged earlier, where someone chooses to work at the office, actually create that space, where someone chooses to work from home, create that space, and balance productivity with the needs of each, each individual, but make it organization-wide. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Very interesting points there. I really like what you're saying about communication, collaboration, and especially communication across organizations. I think that that's a very valuable point that perhaps we can raise uh, in our report. Because uh, I don't know if many people are talking about breaking down the silos at the, the institutional level so that we share those best practices amongst us. Because this is all new to everyone. Um, and so nobody should be the gatekeeper of knowledge. We, we, we need to share what we have. Thank you, everybody. It's been such a, an interesting day. Let, let me hand over to Shireen, who will just give us our final vote of thanks. Thank you. I think, Chris, you've done it. But basically, I think just to thank um, each and every one of you, these are the diehards who stayed on beyond five o'clock, which is great. Um, I think that um, I, I've clearly gathered there's been such rich discussions all over the place um, in all the little groups as well as in the plenary. Uh, it's I also want to thank our presenters who helped us to think about some of these issues and give context and new ideas. And I'm hoping that we will continue to talk to each other in different ways. Um, and, and learn from each other. And so if there are innovations that your institution is involved with, ideas that you're doing, please, please, please feel free to share those with us and um, also to engage with us. Um, yeah, so with that, thank you. And then again, specifically to the team and the team that you saw in operation, but a number of people in the background who equally played a huge role. Um, Tabo Stamper, and I think there's a whole lot of other people I don't even want to start mentioning, but Every one of this has actually helped us to get this workshop off the ground and delighted that we had the kind of participation that we had. So thank you. We hope you found this useful. We will be sharing um, the documents with you. And again, thank you very much for all your participation.